the most important thing in life will always be family. That's what is real. Dominic Toretto, you don't know me, but you're about to. Looks like the sins of London have followed us home. The year is 2082. We're being haunted. Daddy's gotta go to work. But that doesn't mean the fast crew is done doing what they do. What do they do exactly? Zip it, peanut boy. To stop a rogue operative, the team must travel back to 2015 with the help of one John Connor. Here, use my time travel bubble thing. You just don't break it. Is he always this whiny? With all new effects and robots playing the roles of the late Paul Walker, Vin Diesel, Michelle Rodriguez, and Dwayne The Rock Johnson. No robot is playing me. That's right, Kurt Russell. How is it you're still alive? Android Surgery 2020. The Fast and the Furious 74. Now it's for real. In theaters, April 2067. Hello and welcome to Stinker Madness. It's us, your podcast for bad movie lovers, the only resource if you have a deep, deep passion for bad films and all good things about bad films. I've got Sam and Jackie here. How are you guys? I'm good. Sam is still suffering from his deep allergy crisis. I just pounded a bunch of Dayquil, so if it doesn't clear it up, nothing. You ever notice that like Dayquil's that like sort of Drug of last resort. If it doesn't work, then fucking <laughs> nothing's go to gonna work. Well, I think the Tussin is is is, is higher it, than that, but you can't take the Tussin right now because <laughs> you don't want to trip balls. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. If you have to operate as a human being, <laughs> yeah, Dayquil. The Dayquil is about as good as it gets. Like if Dayquil doesn't work, there's really not anything that's gonna work other than knocking yourself out. It's it's like when you when you get a case of the itchy scratchies in your nether regions, you just kind of dip it all in the Dayquil and hope for the best. Don't yeah. ever use the Dayquil in our house. <laughs> it's, it's been da- balls have been in that Dayquil. <laughs> I don't. I don't even use it on my internal. I just it's on. It's just great on your sack. I don't. I don't even understand why you would do that. My skin is itchy today. Lotion. You got an eye infection. Do your balls have a cold. <laughs> <laughs> in this house, yes. yes. Wah, wah, wah. Just kidding. So, uh, if. Thank you for, uh, again, listening to Stinker Madness. If you missed our year in review, both episodes one and two, make sure you go back and check those out. Those are probably the most important episodes you could listen to of this podcast up to this point. And I was super funny. And you wouldn't want to miss it. No, there's good shit in there. There's good shit. Well, good. it's a lot of... That's a, that's the pile of recommendations from a whole year. Yes, indeed. Indeed. So make sure you check that out. Also, follow us on Twitter. Uh, we do also now have our own Reddit. So if you prefer Reddit, you can chat with us there. Uh, I think that's about all the fun news. Oh, also, don't forget to download the Sneaker Madness app. You can check out all our episodes and also see uh, every movie that we've ever rated and whether it's good or not, including a lot of streaming do's and don'ts. Speaking of streaming do's and don'ts, let's get to those. Number one, Blood of Beasts. Do not. Oh, boy. So... 
And did you watch that? You went back and watched the rest of that, didn't you, Jackie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I didn't realize it was fucking Beauty and the Beast. And then you went somewhere, and we we're watching the end of it by ourselves. And I look at him, and I'm like, "So this is Beauty and the Beast?" And he's like, "Yeah." So Viking we were just style. we were just two dudes on a couch watching Beauty and the Beast, watching a love story. It sucks. Sucks. But you know that the redeeming quality of this film, if you do get desperate for one, is that the beast, the, like the makeup to make that guy oh, the beast, boy, so awesome! It's what awful. Was the worst. It's like raw meat that they kind of put on his face <laughs> with some pubic hair that they ripped off of his oh, butt, yeah. and then uh, you know some eyeshadow. It's like and if then you a could, bear costume. If you could actually get AIDS on your face, that's what it would look like. It, like the bear claws help you identify that there's a bear going on there, because otherwise it would be. He's a meat-faced bird nest. Yep. That's what he looked like, is a meat-faced bird nest. He's he's Radagast the meat packer. <laughs> With a scorching case of AIDS on his face. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. It is... it. The whole thing is a spectacle, though. I will grant it that it is, like... Your theory is that something else was being made at the same time, and they just used the same I, sets? I forgot that I looked that up, and I could almost identify immediately where those came from the sets are amazing for how shitty this film is but it is a truly shitty movie it's It's shit yeah i think it might be one of the worst movies i've ever seen on netflix (laughs) it's really like beauty and the beast one limited appeal sure but you know the kids and ladies like it i guess yeah no, uh, this lady did not like well, it. Well, no, not this. But in, not in this general, particular actually, general Beauty and the Beast. You like Beauty and the Beast in general, the story. Yes, because I like I like all grim fairy tales. Sure. All right, there you go. So you're working with some somewhat decent enough material, mm-hmm. likable, but with a proven track record. <laughs> they just did it wrong. Like, <laughs> let's do Beauty and the Beast, but really shitty. Like, let's do the worst Beauty and the Beast that anyone has ever done. You do have to hand it to them, though, that part of it is that the Beast just looks so goddamn terrible. That it's it's completely distracting, because every time you see him, you just want him to get off the screen. He He's not even funny, shitty looking. You're just sick of looking at well, him. Well, actually, it would be a more adequate title, <laughs> would be, because you don't really want to, I don't want to call her a beauty. Hmm. I would call her a nailer if I was drunk. And the meat-faced bird nest. <laughs> Six-pack and Radagast. <laughs> yeah. Hey, they was... stole those fake vampire fangs for him to wear fair and square out of somebody's old Halloween costume crap. Yeah. It's terrible. I also give it a do not. Jackie? Do not. Do not. Next up is The Chaperone, starring Triple H, WWE movie. Do not. Do not do it. I also am going to say do not. I want to find the guy that's like, we need to take wrestlers and put them in movies where there's no action at all. His name is Sean Cunningham. Yeah, Sean Cunningham, bud. Is it you or somebody no, above Dave, you? No, David Cunningham. Yeah, somebody is like, ah, oh, yeah, these yeah, guys. one gonna... guy, the producer of Bending the Rules, The Chaperone, uh, some other crap with the, the big guy, the giant, not Andre the Giant, but the other giant guy. Pal, or John White or... Something, Paul White. Paul White, yeah. What's his wrestler name? The Giant. Big, the Big Show. Yeah, the Big Show. And yes. then there's the Big Sexy. The, the Big Sexy is Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash. Who was yeah. in John Wick. That guy's going places. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all those wrestler movies that are not about wrestling suck. Well, I still don't know if it's him. Like, who's the guy that called the shot? 
Because this Cunningham fellow could just be like, well, I want cash. Somebody's got to make these yeah, non-action the wrestling same. movies. They're all the same. Like, yeah. It, and, and he's the only ongoing the, connection between all of those shitty wrestler movies that don't have any wrestling or action or there's a heart in this story. Fuck there, you. Is I didn't watch this one. You no, did not. you didn't no. watch it. And all I can think is this is the one that I saw that has a school bus with yep, the kids. Yep, yep. Yeah, so you know that his career is taking a very big hit because he's doing now children movies. It's not a children's movie. Like, it's, you it's, are in charge you, of children in a movie. You, you are presented it being that way, but it's more of, there's children in it, but it's not like the Tooth Fairy or anything. It's like a, I would say the target market is probably, sure, families, dads who want to spend time with their estranged teen children. I would ask, does this film or these films have an audience? Because I don't think they do. I don't think they do either. That's the thing is that what is your target, bud? I don't know. Who are you making these for? I don't know. No clue. No like, idea. Re- wrestlers can act too? I. The wrestlers aren't claiming that they can act. Uh, they don't want to act. They just want to wrestle or make action movies like The Marine with John Cena is a great example of uh, wrestlers and acting. Anything that Dwayne The Rock Johnson does. In, yeah. But he's not making these films. He's making tough guy films. Tough guy. Battle of the tough guys. Yeah. Battle of the tough guys. Yeah. The Chaperone do not. Uh man. This was a rough, rough go lately. Next up is dangerous. We curves. could mention that the before we got on to uh, no <laughs> the 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 poor you can't watch the one with Triple H because the uh, teenage girl that's in it like oh what's she doing now oh my god giant boobs she's seventeen so I know yeah. and you gotta be, but that's the problem thanks, thanks for doing that <laughs> I am in weirdo Florida. <laughs> Where's, where's the state? Utah. Where, Utah. Utah. Yeah. That's legal there. Um, I think you should just table that for a year. Uh, dangerous right Curves. On. Which dangerous one was Dangerous curves. curves? That's the one where the Porsche got stolen. Yes. And it was going to be used in the beauty pageant. It was also awful. Awful. It, it had potential. Like one of It's one of those late night comedy, wacky, hey, these guys are zany adventures in like with babes and cars and hey it's cool guys it's, it's cool it's guys cool by guys. astron six yeah but except uh, cool guys is awesome yeah this was this not. was awful absolutely awful and painful yeah i wouldn't even watch this one if you had the flu <laughs> i wouldn't watch it on tussin i'd oh. rather robo trip to blood of beasts yeah i did not like it i do not do do not do any of the movies that we did last week ah uh, god it was terrible uh we have one more just happened yesterday Friday the 13th, 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. See, I can't really... My report would be this is my least favorite of all of them. Yes. But I haven't seen it in like 10 years, so I don't Uh, even know. I think you're quite accurate on that. No. Just say no (laughs) to this one. Uh, Yeah, Jason doesn't take Manhattan. (laughs) I think I remember him like Jason kind of fucks around on a boat for a while. Quite a bit. (laughs) Quite a bit. Uh, Yeah, the idea of the Friday the 13th where where all of it was building to completely collapse right here. Oh. Like, oh, we've lost. We forgot what the hell we were fucking doing in this shit. Well, not to mention that if you're going to the big city soon and you want to know what your friends will actually do if you get held up in an alleyway. Yeah. Watch this movie, because then you'll know that they're just going to let these druggies take you down the street, shoot you up full of heroin 
and try to rape you on a couch, and you better hope that Jason is in Manhattan to kill both of them so you can get away. It's it's really stupid, but at the same time, it's just really not very interesting at all. There's no... The, the budget was completely pulled from this whole thing. The effects are non-existent there's there's no buckets of blood like usual and guts and 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 clever stuff it's mailing it in the jason movie isn't uh canon basically both uh galan and Globus or at mgm at this point uh i can't on uh, this is 1989 and i can tell you that this was the last paramount uh jason movie after this uh goes to hell and jason x were both new line until they paramount reacquired the rights to do the remake the um right 2009's friday or the 13th ah so uh yeah i don't know uh, canon has to do with shit for this but uh they don't have anything to do with no it. no it was this was a paramount film it was the last paramount, ah. jason so yeah it's it's terrible um however i will throw out a warning uh the friday the 13th that are on netflix uh three four six seven and eight are all expiring in april Ah. So at the start of April, April 1st. So if you're catching this now before then, make sure you cram those in because four, six, and seven are all dues. And three is solid enough to do. Well, at least you watched when we had two months of consecutive Friday the 13th that I didn't watch a Friday the 13th movie. Yeah. So I did. Hmm. There you go. Yeah. Butthole. So there's your streaming do's and don'ts. Up next, we've got another installment of everybody's favorite game show. Pop quiz, hot shot. Oh, God damn it! Yes. Pop quiz, hot shot. There's a bomb on a bus. I'm going to win this time. I don't even know if there's a winner. Yeah. <laughs> we, no, they, I don't think Last time, score. he didn't even keep score. This is just like, I'm this I, I, mini Alex Trebek syndrome bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Canada rules. Uh, we are still working on professionals in the industry. First off. This is an easy one. We should all you should all be able to get this one. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna let Jackie take a stab at it first. Jackie, what's a line producer? And if you say craft services, you will be instantly disqualified. No, a line producer is the guy who is in charge of the storyline, and he gets everybody lined up so that the scene can be shot in one consecutive take. <laughs> <laughs> He's the director of Birdman. <laughs> the director. <laughs> uh, that is not correct. Sam, he's the guy that makes sure all the equipment's where it needs to be for shooting. Everything, every people, all of it yep. is in the right place. He is responsible, he or she, is responsible for managing every person and issue during the making of a film. Line producers only work on one film at a time. So they're essentially the director of the director. He's their, the director's manager. Yeah. And actually, they don't work for the director, they work for the, the uh, executive, executive producer, producer. So the the line producer and the assistant director can really team up and become the bane of a director's existence. Exactly, mm. or the savior of a film. Or the, the savior time. of a film. Right. Very important person is the line producer. Next, this one's for Sam. Sam, what's a rigger? The guy who builds, puts together how what you're going to use camera-wise. Mm. So Jackie? Like, oh. He does all the ropes and pulleys on the set. Ropes and pulleys. Yeah, so like... You know, he hangs, he's rigging up the lights. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like rigging up the curtains and, you know, he's got all this stuff. He's like that guy who goes around and hangs everything. He's rigging stuff up. He's Jimmy rigging stuff. Like, oh my God, the bumper fell off of that stunt car. I better go rig that up so that we can use it for the next shot. I award you half credit. Yes. 
The rigger is responsible for the setting, hanging, and focusing of lighting instruments and constructing scaffolding. Oh, yeah. Eat it, Sam. <laughs> Buzz in first. We're in bonus time. What's a wrangler? That's what little kids have. Uh, to make sure that they go to the bathroom <laughs> before it starts. And, and uh, they also make sure that those kids are on the set for only a certain amount of time so that the production company doesn't get sued. Um, they're the ones that are watching for the bathroom hand signals so the kids don't ruin the costumes. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that, that's All my right. answer. It's a Jeep. Oh, oh, no, I'm just kidding. CJ. It's, uh, one step above a uh, production assistant is the person that manages, like, gets the extras into the right spot. Just wrangling them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you are both incorrect. A wrangler is the person who is responsible for the care and control of entities used on a set that can't be spoken with, i.e. animals and vehicles. Oh, okay. Oh, that's... Little kids can't be spoken with. You wouldn't want to get... You can speak to them. They just won't listen to you. They will pee their pants either way. Gross. Yeah. Last one. This one's this one's a tricky one. Is this a buzzer? I did not know what this was. Uh, yeah, let's make this a buzzer. The saber artist. <clears throat> Jackie? It's the guy who draws a saber-toothed tiger on all of the hieroglyphic rocks in the beginning of every movie. Ever. Every yeah, single movie pre- has the- a saber artist. <laughs> saber-toothed tiger artist. He's out there. He's got his little red crown. And they're like, okay, draw a saber-toothed <laughs> saber tiger on this rock so that we can start our prehistoric movie. And he's like, okay. And he goes over and draws a saber-toothed tiger eating somebody. So, uh, like on Geely, yeah. the saber artist, they're like in between shots. And he just kind of walks up to Affleck with a drawing of a saber-toothed tiger. <laughs> and Affleck looks at him and he's like, man, that's great, Glenn. <laughs> and then he walks back off and they start shooting the movie again. Yeah, I think that's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea what the saber artist is. A saber artist is a member of the production team utilizing a combination of software programs to create special effects. Uh, Yeah, like cave drawings. See, I was right. So like a crown. It's kind of a jack of all trades of digital effects. Ah. You're not only a drawer, but you're a drawer, an animator, a... Uh, what else would you do? I word myself a half a point. You did Rend- what I did with the last Render. movie I worked on. I, I just did rotoscoping. Rotoscoping, probably a, just a jack of. You were, you might have been called a saber artist. No, actually, I will be. I I my credit was a rotoscoper. Ah. or it was a roto artist. Roto artist. They Ooh, changed that it too. Fancy. Yeah. Huh. Last movie I worked on, I ate some pizza in a Little Caesars commercial. Yeah. Yeah. It was a thirty-second movie. It was icky pizza. It was icky pizza <laughs> on a very cold and icy beach. <laughs> miserable anyways there's your the lies they tell you in pizza commercials <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> little caesar's is not good <laughs> look at this boy having fun on a beach it's eight degrees <laughs> <laughs> he's got dookie in his shorts <laughs> i didn't have one of those wranglers apparently yeah <laughs> just poop my pants there you go. There's your uh, pop quiz hot shot. Sam, why don't you tell us about this week's movie, 1955's Fast and Furious. Wait, I'll bring you in. There you go. La cucaracha horn. I can't do that sound effect with my mouth. Uh, the Fast and Furious 1955. This is the first AIP film. American, Ever in existence. The very first... Uh, Samuel Arkoff, John Nicholson teamed up, made American International Pictures, and the first one out of the gate was this one. Do you happen to know what the last one was? 
Oh, no, I don't. Oh, yeah. I know what the last imported movie they did was off the top okay. of my head. Right. That was uh, that Matt. That Hotshot game is over. <laughs> and it's not one of the... Uh, it's one of the last movies as well, but it was the last one they imported and released in America was Mad Max. Oh, oh, okay. Mm. Oh, gotcha. Nicholson right. left... Kind of in... going uh, coast to coast there because that's a car movie as well. Yeah. yeah. They did everything. I mean, they did everything. Yeah. Um, They... Nicholson left like in the 60s and it's just Samuel Ziarkov for a long time after that but uh the Corman school or whatever they call it the New World New Horizons mm-hmm. new whatever it was that Corman's produced so many movies and he's been the mentor to everybody Arkoff is Corman's Corman ah gotcha yeah Samuel I, I don't Z now that. so the person that Corman learned how to make film from is is really Samuel Z Arkoff and they actually kind of cut their teeth together a little bit. Arkoff was sort of the money man, but sort of the movie man. Uh, Nicholson was just the money man. Oh, okay. So Arkoff came up with the formula. AIP did, th- did things that were very revolutionary in filmmaking. So the Arkoff formula is action, revolution, killing, oratory, fantasy, and fornication. Sure. That will get people to watch the movie. I think they're quite correct. Yes, they are. And it doesn't have to be, like... In literal. <laughs> if you put it on top of each other, though, yes. <laughs> All at once. It's like a sex pancake that's shooting guns. <laughs> so, but it did not literal interpretations. You don't actually have to kill someone. It's just a modicum of violence. Um, the fantasy doesn't have to be wizards and shit. Just acted out fantasies to the characters. Like mm-hmm. So that actually goes into the fantasy and the fornication commonly are hand-holding in his formula. Uh, later... The publicity department, because they get really... AIP is one of the first companies that's like, really, let's figure out how to make money on this shit just to make money on this shit. We're going to figure out how to sell films rather than make them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this is the logic that they came up with. A younger child will watch anything an older child will, will watch. An older child will not watch anything a younger child will watch. A girl will watch anything a boy will watch. A boy will not watch anything a girl will watch. Therefore, to catch your greatest audience, you zero in on a 19-year-old male. If you make a movie for a 19-year-old male, you're going to get the biggest audience that you can get. What's the source of that quote that you just said? It's called the Peter Pan Syndrome. So, well, I understand what it's called, but where did you, where is that like in a book or something? Like, did they write The Art of War by Shang Tsu? Yes. Jesus. This is the art the art of war for movies is AIP. I must get my hands on all of this material. Now here's how deep it goes. AIP is the first company to use focus groups, not the first film company to use focus groups, the first company to use focus groups. That's ridiculous. That's a That's, that's a how giant far piece they went history. into. Yeah. Yes. So they are all about let's do this uh or let's do this for cash. Yeah. Because then we started out with this one, especially as an example. They wanted to do westerns, and then TV westerns, Gunsmoke, basically, is killing theaters. Because you can't do a black and white western, put it in a theater, and no one cares, because they'll watch a black and white western at their house. Mm-hmm. So you had to, you know, do color. In the, the 50s is basically the point where TV's killing Hollywood, and you had to do color and Panavision, otherwise nobody gave a shit. To expand on the focus groups, they would then, their process would start with, they would get an artist to draw a poster that looked awesome. Uh-huh. And then they would use that to get the cash. They would make a movie poster before they made the movie. Instead of doing a pitch, instead of doing... Their pitch was the poster. They're like, this is our audience. This is what it's going to be. So they're basically they they're get... talking to Jackie on every single movie, judging the movie by its cover. Yes. And, yes. And so actually what they would do is create a title. They would come up with what they thought was a good title. 
And that good title, then they would make an awesome poster, and then they would use that to get cash. Beach Babes versus they Monsters from Hell. are the Frankie and Annette is AIP. Yes. Bikini. Every movie that has a bikini in the title is these guys. Uh-huh. All of it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so Corman it did not direct this. Corman did six movies as a director this year. This is his second producer credit. Mm-hmm. This... The first one was probably, I'm going to kind of hang around and learn. Like, this guy kind of, he's an engineer. Corman. Yeah. Okay. He went to work at an engineering firm, I guess, for four days. Hmm. And on day four, he walked into his boss's office and he said, I made a terrible mistake with my whole life. Then he tried to make movies, didn't work, went to Oxford for English so he could learn storytelling, came back, started making movies, then directs five the first year that he works in movies. (laughs) I would say that uh, you have got something. (laughs) Yes. But he he produced this one Uh, as part of the thing that was going on with AIP and Corman. So Corman thought that he could do better really quickly. And him and his brother, Gene, started a a company called The Film Group, which within four years was under. And he came back to AIP. And when he came back to AIP, that's when they start doing the Poe cycle. What's oh, that? The yeah. Edgar Allan Poe movies that Corman directed, which are quite critically, some of them are quite critically acclaimed because of the, the house that Usher, the house of the Falls of the Usher the, yeah. is the one, right? And that's uh, the original idea. So Corman came back to AIP, and he's credited as the person that came up with "Let's do Fall of the House of Usher" because it was public domain; they didn't have to pay for the rights for it. So they could spend every single cent on the filmmaking because they both had gotten to a point where they knew these black and white drive-in double features aren't getting butts in the seats. And so they spent all of the money to make elaborate sets to make this shot in Panavision and in color. And so this is the Fall of the House of Usher is the first Panavision movie that they did. Okay. And because of that, then those uh, Poe movies, AIP... Hits the big time, then they start making the beach making. Then they can, they have the money to really make the money off of the system that they've come up with. Mm-hmm. And that's when they develop into sort of a, a an American version of uh, Hammer films out of England. Just as many as you can in as brief a period as you can. Yeah, not to the extent that Corman took it. Oh, okay. Corman's going to be gone in 1970. Oh, okay. All right. So that's when that's when he they make enough money together, and you can in in 70. It's highly debatable whether. It was just him starting New Horizon that he was tired of directing, or if he was tired of directing because of the critical failure of the Red Baron, because it got raked over the coals, or it was like, oh, this is boring and terrible. He didn't really direct him another movie again until uh, Frankenstein Unbound in 1990, so he went 20 years out of the chair. I tend to think that it was just, he wanted to let other people, he can now start his own company and make three times as many movies as he was, as AIP was doing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that uh, with less people. Sure. So... I don't know that it really ruffled his feathers a whole lot that the Red Baron didn't do very good. <laughs> I, I just don't think he's one of those guys that gets his feathers ruffled very no, I don't easily. Think so. Unle- unless you take too long and spend too much of his money. Oh, yeah. Well, that, you don't, that doesn't ruffle his feathers. That gets your ass fired. Yeah. Then and he brings in Alan. Alan and Arkush, come fix this shit that this guy <laughs> fucked up. You got like three days to do it. And he's like, oh, three? That's a lot of days. Yay! I need two. Apparently, Corman did Little Shop of Horrors. They... Say three days, but I guess it's come out that it was two days and a night. Oh, boy. Jeez. Shot the whole thing. Two days and a night. Did they allow for bathroom breaks with their regulars? No, you just went in your pants. (laughs) I'd hope I'd have the poodle skirt for that movie. That's where the Feed Me Seymour came from. Yeah. Because your pants smell of pee. 
I don't know where I'm going with that. I don't know where you're going with either. So this was not directed by Corman, who did direct six films in 1955. This is directed by John Ireland, who also stars in the film. Sure, this will not be uncommon for AIP to do. They let uh, Woody Allen do What's Up, Tiger Lily is AIP. Mm-hmm. Another director star would be The Born Losers, which is uh, Tom Laughlin and the first of the Billy Jack series. Yes, so they even birthed Billy Jack, although Tom Laughlin takes the Billy Jack character elsewhere after The Born Losers. Mm-hmm. Uh Ireland is most notable for the Howard Hawk Red River. Have you seen Red River? I have not. With John Wayne. So his... Maybe Jackie has. She's, you've seen a lot of John Wayne movies. No, I have not seen that okay. one. Okay. Red River, there's a pistol, sh- like, two tough guys. I'm so good at shooting. It's a scene between him and Montgomery Clift where they shoot a can. Basically, they call it walking the can. It's a part of film iconography. Okay. Like, it, it he's in one of the most notable scenes in film history. Huh. All right. Uh, Ireland was also uh, Crixus in Kubrick's Spartacus, which is a sort of pivotal role. So he's somebody. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and he's writing, he's directing and starring in this. Old uh, John was also known for betting down the ladies. Ooh. Oh. Yes, John Ireland uh, liked to have sex with everybody. <laughs> like, every time he'd be in a movie with a lady, he'd just bet her down. Uh, I don't know if it happened to him in this one. Who knows? But he did finally... That ran into some trouble with him because when he was 45, he had started dating a 16-year-old Tuesday Weld. And uh-oh. Ew. That flew. That flew back then. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah. You're 16. You're beautiful in your mind. There you go. Uh, the film also stars Dorothy Malone, who won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in Written on the Wind. If you do an image search on her on Google, it may result in a boner. Uh-oh. Oh, <laughs> she is. There's like a certain. She's hot. She's a good looking woman. Do not wear sweatpants she at is... work while looking at pictures of Dorothy. What's her name? <laughs> Dorothy Malone. Okay. Uh, she's now 90, though, so I don't know if she's giving she's out. still hot. She's still <laughs> doling, you know, just doling out the boners. Boner producing 90-year-old. <laughs> She worked for 49 years. She has 112 acting credits. That's quite a good. Yeah. Quite a good one. Uh, if you were curious, speaking of credits about Corman, is currently sitting at 410 producer credits and 56 director credits. Astounding. He, uh, did you know that Roger Corman this year, maybe this is part of your boring bullshit. No, I actually was going to defer because I know that you've been reading about this for like six months. Corman won a lifetime, he won the Lifetime Achievement Award at the Oscars this year. Yeah, he got the honorary. He did not make the ABC televised show not sexy enough oh i roger goddamn corman didn't I, was not ready for prime time fuck you abc i thought that was bullshit you it, the lifetime achievement award is something special you that's when everybody stands up and claps in the goddamn theater when they and give you, you cut the, roger corman so <laughs> They didn't show the guy get the award who built half of the town. Right. Exactly. <laughs> nice. Nice job, TV. Total bullshit. Everybody you've ever heard of came from Roger Corman. 17-time Oscar-winning Jack Nicholson would not have a job without Roger Corman. Nicholson is one of the... Both Nicholson and Henry Fonda first movies were AIP. Yeah. Hmm. Total bullcrap. Um, but yeah, so what's the, uh, what's the relation between Fast and the Furious 1955 and Fast and the Furious 1997 or 1998? I will tell you. Okay. Zero. Zero. They. Oh, well, that's probably why you didn't know then, Sam. 
Oh. Yeah, they... Uh, I thought he knew, but I guess he does. The only know. thing that uh, has in common is the name. They did have to purchase the rights I to bet. the name, but they didn't have to purchase the rights to the story. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, they, they pulled an AIP move. Right. Like, what a great title. Yeah. We, we should make a movie about that. We need that. We uh, don't want to pay for the other stuff, nah. but that title is worth owning. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, this should uh, should be fun. I'm excited about it. It's a good car movie. Uh, I've heard things that it, that's... Is it a Jaguar? It's a Jag uh, XK120 that he drives. All right. Which is a very fine automobile. I have seen the uh, cover work for this movie. It looks pretty good. It should be fun to uh, double team these. I think we're going to watch this, and then the af- the episode after this will probably be actually Furious 7. Yes. Field Trip? Yeah. Field that movie, Field what Trip. What day is that? <laughs> Uh, the Furious 7 releases on April 3rd, so somewhere in there. Okay. Yeah. So expect that as well. In the meantime, get to the chopper. Thank you for listening to Stinker Madness. If this is your first time, we hope you enjoyed it and we'll come back to listen more. But now we'd like to ask all of our listeners for a small favor. We aren't ranking as high as we'd like and we need your help. Would you please take just a couple of minutes to rate and review us on your preferred listening platform? be it iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you can. It takes many hours each week to bring you this show, and just a couple seconds of your time is a huge help for us. And for those of you that have already done this, we say thank you.